Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Welcome. My name is Bree. My pronouns are she, they, and I am the project associate at Strive and your host for today's episode. We're so happy to have you here. So we are actually tuning in on Zoom from both of our homes at a lovely 720 in the morning. So I just want to reiterate how special this particular episode is because we had to really make this work with our schedules. We're so fortunate to have Shell Secret here with us today. Shell is a registered early childhood educator at Emanuel at Brighton Childcare in Waterloo, Ontario. Shell is very involved in Waterloo Region's vibrant 2S LGBTQQIA community by hosting fundraisers, raising awareness, and empowering people to be who they are. As an RECE, Shell believes that all children need to see a reflection of themselves and their families in early childhood programs, and that one small action towards accepting and celebrating our differences leads to another. Shell has taught in the ECE program at Conestoga College and also has been a pedagogical consultant at the Early Childhood Professional Resource Center in Kitchener. We are in this community extraordinarily fortunate to have had multiple sessions with Shell. Most recently, Shell has been with us in person to present Rainbow Families, which I was very, very lucky to attend. But we've also had Shell come in for a community practice Be Well to do a mandala session, which I was also fortunate to attend. If you haven't had an opportunity to connect with Shell through a live session, we're really hoping that you'll tune into the opportunity today to connect with Shell. So that's a lot of me talking without any further ado. Hi, Shell. Hi there, Bree. Good early morning to you. (laughs) Good early morning to you. It's so great. I, I love seeing the sunshine. You all can't see that, but it is beautiful this morning and less hot, I think. I'm not quite sure yet. Three, three, I don't know. I've heard it's going to be more hot later today, uh, even yesterday. So I'm, I'm gearing up for a hot one with the kiddos outside in our uh, forest playgrounds. So mm, I'm ready for that in a little while. <laughs> I'm glad you are. I will likely be cranky and miserable all day. <laughs> <laughs> It felt a little bit better when I got up this morning, but my dreams have been dashed. Educators already have a plan to bring out uh, their popsicles or freezies this afternoon. I think that's how we're going to all survive. I think that's a great survival strategy. And a lot of water play for those kids. Keep them cool. Keep them cool and happy. Good summer play always involves a large bucket of water. (laughs) That's right. All right. So just to get us started, Shell, would you mind telling us just a little bit about yourself, whatever you feel like sharing? I'm sure I'd love to. I've actually been working as a registered early childhood educator for 21 years now. And I can honestly say like from the very first day as a student at Conestoga College in the ECE program, I totally knew that this was my calling. Maybe it started way back um, when I would do babysitting as a teenager. Mm -hmm. That's when I really just started to think, wow, this is something that I'm very good at. And it it brings me a lot of joy. So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of when it all kind of started. But I just knew that I had found my people and found my passion when I started in this field. 
And, that, and that's actually kind of funny because my first career, I was working in the financial industry. No <laughs> so way. Complete light years different. Yep. I was yeah. working like a, as a frontline teller um, in banks and credit unions. Oh, I did geez. some mortgage administration and even worked in Vancouver for a time in a U.S. equity trading room. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. I knew it was time to get out though when um, when one of my coworkers I worked directly with said that she wanted to get a, a Canadian flag tattoo, but instead of a Canadian, like the maple leaf in the middle, she wanted a dollar sign. And oh. I was like, oh, get me out of this. <laughs> I knew I could have made a lot of money in that uh, career, but I needed to go where my heart was. Mm-hmm. And that's when I actually moved back to Ontario to take my education here. So yes, 21 years later, here we oh are my gosh. doing podcasts with Brie. <laughs> yeah, here we are. What a story. I think it just reminds us of how essential it is to reconnect with that joy, even for those that are currently working in the sector. We had just been talking about earlier this overwhelming sense of burnout and feeling overwhelmed with everything that's going on right now in the early years. And that sense of joy is so essential to everything that we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I, I keep mentioning 21 years, but I still am so passionate every day. Like I wake up in the morning excited to go to work and how many people can really, really say that. I think that's a smaller percentage who can say that. So just really knowing that um, how I felt when I would be babysitting children um, Mm -hmm. in the past, how I felt when I finally did land um, in the early childhood education program, like I had found my people, I had found my calling. You know, when I was transitioning from Vancouver back to Ontario or out of the financial industry into this field, I remember my parents saying, you know, and they said this way back in high school, too, that this field does not make enough money. Well, isn't that a mm-hmm. truth? And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a topic for a whole other podcast. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> right. But um, I remember my father saying something. He said, oh, that doesn't make enough money. You you should I know you should be an RCMP officer. You love the outdoors. <laughs> oh, and I just laughed and I'm like, there is nothing about me that would make me a good RCMP officer so (laughs) I'm thrilled to be doing the kind of work um, that I'm doing although this time of year is harder Brie because Mm -hmm. a lot of the children that I've had for two years now are actually heading off to kindergarten soon so it yeah I mean it's what is it it's July the 5th already and um, so I just have just a mere weeks with them left and most of these kids are four years old or almost four. So that means I've had them for half of their lives Ugh. for eight hours a day. So I'm not really present yet to the fact that their last day is coming soon. So, yeah, you know, that part's always hard. I yeah. felt there as I say that. Yeah, it's um, not an easy transition. I'm a toddler educator myself, and I don't yes. envy that transition that happens on a yearly basis for preschool educators it's it's hard that's really hard (laughs) oh dear (laughs) (sighs) well I know knowing who you are as a person that those children are heading into kindergarten with the utmost love and care and respect and appreciation that they need to be ready to go it's never it's never easy 
I'm a oh. crier. So I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Brie. <laughs> let's see if we make it through this podcast without a tear happening <laughs> I told my team I was like I won't cry today I've cried on every episode I've been on I won't do it oh it's funny I probably will <laughs> you know but just getting back to what you said you know with the with the children leaving heading off to kindergarten after being um, in my classroom for two years and with the fabulous team that I've had both last year and this year like my hope is that well see I'm gonna tear up now Brie I know it's <laughs> starting I just really hope that like we've given these children and the families just a really great foundation to have mm-hmm. off burden with you know I want them to be the best human they can be <laughs> yes right? kind to others just be kind play safe you know mm-hmm. and just keep doing great things for your own heart mind you know and soul mm-hmm. for yourself and for each other and honestly for the earth too we talk a lot about that yes. the world that we live in yeah. Where our community is like reconnecting with that concept of care because, you know, the education piece is important. It is. We know that. But I think in a lot of ways that care is a lot more essential because we're not only providing care, but we're supporting children and their families and learning how to create that community of care for themselves. But it's so essential. And it really, like you said, it sets up that foundation for them lifelong. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's a, a funny thing that I said recently in a in a workshop that um, children are not going to remember that a table was labeled a table mm-hmm. for early literacy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. But they're going to remember that we thanked the trees and the nature in a nearby park mm-hmm. each and every time we left that park, thanking it for the time that we spent in that space. And thanking, you know, the grass, the wind, the sun for sharing that space, because we basically are asking permission to enter such a beautiful Mm -hmm. space. And then um, acknowledging at the end that we are just saying thank you for the time that we spent together. That's what they're going to remember. So it's little things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It just warms my heart um, to hear your story. Anyway. I won't do it. I won't do it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about community too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of connections between being a ECE and um and with community. It's about bringing people together. It's about how you're leaving people feel at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I get to do that with every single child in my classroom and every single parent and every single educator. When you walk into your uh, child care in the morning who are you saying good morning to and who are you not saying good morning to mm-hmm. it's a simple thing as saying good morning because for that let's say it's a parent maybe that's the only person who's going to say good morning to them in the whole day mm-hmm. right so um being an ece is very much about human connection and the yes. difference that you're making with people. So I feel like that is definitely maybe why I was put on this earth. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Human connection, bringing people together, the interactions that we have and how I make people feel, you know, in one moment even. Mm-hmm. 
it's foundational to everything that we do in the early years, that that community. I always say this, that we never operate individually. You're always working within a team. You're always working with children. You're always working with families. There's that continuous partnership and sense of community that we have to really work to foster as early childhood educators and care professionals. It speaks volumes to just the human condition. We often are thrown into a society that idealizes this like hyper individualism. And a lot of us have lost that sense of community. And we'll get into it with our next question. But I think too, especially as a queer person, that sense of community was essential to me as it is for all people. But really, I was able to heal myself in my queer community in ways that I wasn't able to in other spaces. So that foundation of care, that foundation of community equips children with those skills to be able to help build that for themselves later in life. Absolutely. Fully agree with you. So speaking of that community connection, we are talking today for our pride celebrations here in London community, which happened in July. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what your connection to the 2S LGBTQQIA plus community is. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. I'd love to. So um, I'm a, a cisgendered uh, lesbian woman. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I've been out since my early 20s. I came out in college when I was taking the accounting program <laughs> way back then. <laughs> um, coming out actually wasn't a very easy process for me. It wasn't like, a, oh, that's what's been going on. It, it was mm-hmm. definitely um, a challenge for me to accept who I was, but At Conestoga College, they had fabulous counselors. It didn't actually take long, a little bit of time, a little bit of guidance. And it wasn't long until I actually started creating a support group at Conestoga College for any other students who were struggling in the same way or Mm -hmm. just wanted to connect with like-minded people. So again, that's just where my love of community comes with. It's not just enough for me to say, okay, that's what's going on with me. Okay, I can live with that. It's like, okay, now I got to bring in all the other people Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just make sure that their lives are okay. And how can we make life um, um, better and awesome for each other and for ourselves? Mm -hmm. Uh, As time went on, um, I wanted to get more involved with community. So I decided to volunteer, first of all, on the board of directors for the Tri Pride Live Music Festival. And my big job with that was to create an epic silent auction. So I loved walking around to all the businesses, local businesses, telling them who I was, what I was representing, and whether or not they would support the Pride Festival by donating for the silent auction. And I would tell you that it took a lot of work founding the pavement this way. Mm -hmm. Um, But 99% of the businesses were able to give a donation. And I did this year after year and really built the um, relationships with them. That makes me very proud of Kitchener-Waterloo, actually. Yes. This was happening, you know, up to like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and, you know, until recently. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of support in this, uh, in this community, Good. which I think is beautiful. 
Yes, it is. I also have, um, I also for a long time had a, an events business called Secret Events. So I, I have such a, a fun last name, right? Yes, so you do. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> use that name. Right? Of course. <laughs> so um, I would host and create many signature events, but the most popular are Lesbo Bingo, which was a family friendly event. Yeah, we would have about 150 people come. I, I could have made it larger, but I liked it more intimate. So mm-hmm. if you call 150 people intimate, yeah. um, <laughs> but we would have like preschool age children all the way up to whatever age, like people would um, bring their families to this event and you would win prizes, not money. So that's a lot of fun and secret mystery bus tours as well. Oh and um, butch bam dances. I would also host um, Trans Day of Remembrance. And my most well-known event, just by the name of it, I I won't actually mention the name on the podcast, but it is a celebration (laughs) of women's sexuality with a very playful name. But it also got sponsored even by the city of Kitchener. And that event ended up being an event where women could read their own works of erotica from anything from very, very romantic and cute and positive body image to absolutely anything that they're into. And it was uncensored and unrehearsed. And what was special about this is it truly was an experience. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even call it an event. I think this annual experience really, I think, changed lives Mm -hmm. and in ways that I probably will never know. And it was yeah. never a money maker. I always gave money um, away to local organizations, like queer organizations or women's organizations. So really special. So yeah, I have a lot of connection to the uh, to the rainbow community here. Yes, evidently. <laughs> but you know, as we've been alluding to that that community connection is essential. And I think especially for our rainbow community who often feel a disconnect from the larger community, having those spaces that are safe and transformative and caring are really essential. It's funny you mentioned, uh, well, not funny, but uh, the word disconnect just made me think that so many times when someone new comes into the community and they're chatting with someone that they've met, they say, well, but do you know Shell's secret? Because if you don't know Shell's secret, you need <laughs> to connect with her. And so I'm kind of known as a hub. in yes. So I get the most random questions over, um, over Facebook Messenger or email, just trying to connect with anyone and everyone. I was like, well, I don't know the answer, but I'll find out. So I make a very good club in the queer community. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we need we need people like you to do those things and have yeah, those roles, sure. right? Because right. often we don't know where to go. We don't know where to start that journey or to start asking those questions. So the fact that you're a well-known name in the community and that you almost act as like the community connector to all of the different... Yes. Cool, Those fun exactly rainbow things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so great. And, you know, just reiterating that we feel very honored and privileged that you are sharing some of that with our community as well. Thank you. <laughs> so, all of these connections to your Waterloo Kitchener rainbow community, how do these connections reflect in your work with children, families? Uh, that's a really great question. 
Well, first of all, I do want to mention as well that I'm a, a stepmom to a 17-year-old son. He has four mothers. Even though I didn't have a child, like I, I came into his life when he was uh, five. So I didn't have a child going through um, childcare, but I just think I'm relatable in, in, a, in a way because I have had 12 beautiful years bringing up this amazing young guy mm-hmm. uh, who's soon heading to university. But I think about the life that his four moms kind of created around him over those years and even before I came into his life. And I just think he had such a solid foundation for just understanding the queer community. And I want all children to have kind of the same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think it's important to have really good quality resources. So that's probably one of the easiest ways to bring that visibility into childcare centers as well. So mm-hmm. some of these, uh, I guess your question was about asking about connections. So bringing in resources and Mm -hmm. uh, really me being open about who I am as a gay woman who loves women. And I'm open with that with the families, Mm -hmm. Um, just even in my personal bio or my uh, bio that gets posted outside of the classroom. I talk about my family. I talk about my community events and and who I am and my and my hobbies. And me loving women is just one one part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and when we uh, talk openly about pride in our classroom, I feel very comfortable being able to share who my family is. It's just one part of um, the things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, other ways that these connections come into play are. I'm always advocating for uh, a lot more visibility in childcare centers. So mm-hmm. this year we had a flag raising and Amazing. Uh, we, we feel um, fortunate at our center to be an old public school. So we have a flag pole outside. Oh, so, yeah, we're not. That's a very unique um, situation for a childcare to be in. So our flag is flying proudly right now as it does every June. Amazing. And we also had Drag Queen Storytime this year. This was our second year doing it and a huge success and a lot of support from the families who also attended. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned a little bit about that as we participated in Rainbow Families and about importance of resources and books, especially to share in program with children. I'm so happy to hear that this year, the events still seem to be really well received and families are eager to participate and children are enjoying it. There's been what it feels like um, an increasing sense of, of hatred towards the rainbow community. So those little pockets of good and those communities that do love and care and support, it's so wonderful to hear that that's happening still. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there is a lot of hatred happening. And I agree with you, this, this June feels harder than mm-hmm. other Junes for some reason. And uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of hatred and rights being taken away for mm-hmm. LGBTQ uh, folks. And that worries me. So mm-hmm. all I can do is know that I've got control over what is happening with my, with our staff, with our center. And we know that the main message that we're trying to keep instilling in the children is that love is love. Mm-hmm. 
right? Love mm-hmm. is love. And it's okay to be who we are. It's okay to be different. If we can keep doing this in such a positive light through the many different ways that we create visibility, the children are going to grow up to know that they feel supported. They have allies. They're also going to grow up to to be understanding of others, no matter what mm-hmm. minority group they might be coming from. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. um, and just be more accepting and respectful um, of others. So I, I think that's all very huge to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's, it's a heavy topic in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, totally on the flip side of it also being very celebratory, all the great things that are happening. In yes. There's a lot of movement um, to really wanting to make sure there's a lot more visibility and inclusion. Yes. I too have been trying to focus on those positive things that are happening in the community because there is really great things happening and change that's happening. As much as pride is about resistance, it's also about celebration. In the face of this very present and ever-growing, it seems, hate campaign that's occurring, that celebratory piece is, is really essential. keeping rainbow joy as a part of the conversation, right? That's right. (laughs) So when it comes to history, I know um, even for myself as a queer person, I learned as I was starting to connect with the community a lot about American queer history. And not that that is not essential, it is. There's a really important Canadian queer history that is often not shared in the same way. So I know that this is a topic area that you also offer sessions on. So I'd love to know why you share about Canadian 2S LGBTQIA plus history. Perfect. You know, a a lot of my research really did turn up a lot of um, U.S. history. So it was really difficult to find those facts about Canadian, but there's a few highlights that I'd like to um, to share and mm-hmm. it definitely isn't uh, an easy history to kind of hear but we need to understand the path that people have walked to bring us to this point so that we can be compassionate and uh, really understand why maybe some people might even still be closeted you know mm-hmm. um, yes we're oh, I can't even, I'm not even sure I can say right now, but um, I would like to think that we're in a safer world to be able to come out or to keep all the rights that we have worked so hard for, but but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So here's a, here's a perfect thing. Um, if you just think even of the 1950s and 60s in Canada, I don't know if you know this, Bree, this was something that I didn't know about. So let's see if, if this is something you knew. This has to do with the RCMP. Okay, mm-hmm. 1950s and 60s, they actually had an invention called a fruit machine. Are you aware of the fruit machine? No. Oh, you're, you're shaking <laughs> your head. So this machine was actually created to detect homosexuals. Okay. Oh, so gosh. gay men and lesbians were seen as um, sinners and as mentally ill back. So within like so that we're talking about employees of the rcmp okay so let's just say 
that uh, there's a guy named Joe. He's sitting there doing his job. He gets called in, gets hooked up to this fruit machine, and is shown mild pornography. And if that machine shows that Joe had any kind of arousal of any kind, then he could be immediately demoted. He could be fired. Oh my and gosh. also um, back in the 1950s and 60s, if word got out about someone being gay, then there would be lists of names um, of people who basically are thought to be gay published in newspapers, so outed against their will. So it's not that the RCMP would do that part of it, but they people would get fired. And it was more of these newspapers would be more underground newspapers, mm -hmm. but people wanted these publications. They wanted to know who's gay so they could get rid of them, fire them, um, not have them around their children, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So because back then, our community were seen as deviants and, and criminals. So it's not surprising that some people would stay closeted to either protect their identity, but also their safety. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't actually until 1969 with um, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau that homosexuality in Canada was decriminalized. That was uh, four years before I was born. Okay, when I think of it like that, um, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And 64 countries currently in the world, uh, homosexuality is still illegal. And six countries have the death penalty for being who we are and for loving who we love. You and I could be put to death in those countries. Yeah. And anyone else in our community. So pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. So, okay, let's turn things. Ooh, that's, that's heavy, right? Heavy. That's, yeah. that's heavy. And a lot of good changes are happening, but um, it's important to know those things. Yeah. So um, 1969 um, in the U.S., that was definitely pivotal. And you, you can't talk about Canadian history without talking about um, this pivotal yes. um, moment in time with the Stonewall riots. Mm -hmm. So these were a series of protests against police raids, but there was uh, one night in particular that the clientele at the Stonewall Inn really um, stood up against police in New York City. This is where it all began. So the gay liberation movement really started at this point. And they say that the first Pride March really was a protest. Mm -hmm. okay? There was a lot of pre uh, police brutality um, back then. Mm -hmm. But this wasn't isolated to the U.S. Fast forward even a couple of decades, 1981, this was happening in Toronto um, at the Toronto um, bathhouse raids as well. Yes. And even though 1969 homosexuality was decriminalized, there were over 300 men who were arrested um, during the um, bathhouse raids. So luckily, after years and years uh, went by, over around 200 police officers ended up being charged for those raids. So there has been a lot of movement, but those riots and um, violence from police at the mm -hmm. hands of police, uh, you know, was definitely here in Canada as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find often Canadians try to distance ourselves from 
some of the violence that we see occurring in the U.S. And I think it is really important to remember that a lot of that still happens here. It may be maybe not as publicly. It might not be shown on news outlets or talked about on social media as often, but it is still very much present in our communities too. You know, you spoke to why understanding that history is is so important. We need the context in order to understand what's going on in our current environment so that we can provide the best support and care to the people that need it. I think it's true for any community. We're just highlighting it because we're still celebrating pride. Bree, this comes to mind um, when I'm talking about the police. There's a children's book that I love to read. It's called um, This Day in June by um, Gail E. Pittman. And I read it recently to the children and it takes a bit to get through the book because there's some big topics in there. Mm -hmm. But one of them is talking about, oh, it's okay. That's okay. There's a couple of books. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, thinking about a Harvey Milk um, book in this particular moment, although I love this day in June. Um, that one's more celebratory um, mm-hmm. and has a lot of information at the back of the book, but it's a Harvey Milk story. The title of it is escaping me in the moment. But in this one, we talk about how the police would raid okay, establishments and that people were arrested for being who they were. Mm -hmm. But also I bring that to this day and age and I talk to the children about um, how police currently are really taking a lot of initiatives to care for the um, 2S LGBTQ AI plus community and for the children to take a look when they see a police car currently you're going to see the rainbow flag on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Mm -hmm. that is a true, like, action, especially given our history here in Canada. So I'm trying to give the children really insight into how things were in the past and um, the really positive change that um, the police have really uh, been making in our our communities. I want them to know that, too. Yeah, and that's that connection between the history and visibility piece, right? We're seeing it more frequently now. And that positive visibility represents that positive change in our in our history here in Canada. Yeah, very true. Okay. Well, I know we have to get you out of here and off to work soon. So do you want to play a really quick game? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So I won't explain it. We have a bad habit of explaining it every time. It's rapid fire. I'm just going to ask you questions and you give me your best response. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. I like games. Go for it. So favorite children's book. Okay. Without thinking. Waves in the bathtub. (laughs) Okay. I'm so excited to link all of these for everyone listening. You have, you have to you have to sing the song though, okay? And if anyone needs the song, okay, look. I, I'll <laughs> highlight it in the link. Song must be sung. That's right. <laughs> um, favorite age group to work with? Toddlers. They're so curious. Oh, I know. <laughs> I love them too. I love them too. Favorite professional learning that you've attended? Oh, it's child's play and it matters it was in uh halliburton and uh it was one of my favorite conferences because we could go there spend the weekend there 
I just had such happy memories. Mm. And any place that Mark Battle goes to, oh. um, that's where I want to be as well. Oh, we <laughs> we'll love Mark yeah. Battle. Favorite PL, yeah. anywhere Mark Battle has been. Anywhere with Mark Battle. <laughs> Yeah, we had him for a community practice outdoor play. And oh my gosh, it was it was the best time. Yeah, <laughs> he's cool. amazing. Yes, he is. All right, favorite ice cream flavor. Cookies and cream, hands down. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> I'm a cookie dough person, but I love a cookies and cream. Okay, and last but certainly not least, favorite podcast. You can <laughs> say leading inspired learning. I you know. <laughs> boost the well, ego. <laughs> I, I, I told you before this started, I'm so new to podcasts. So mm -hmm. um, absolutely, I'm going to be looking at all of your podcasts because um, I've started to see the joy of podcasts and like how little snippets of learning can happen, um, even when I'm doing the dishes. Yes. So I love that. So I'll be yeah. checking out yours. But one that I recently discovered was called We Can Do Hard Things. Oh, a by great Glennon one. Doyle, um, author of Untamed. So that's another one. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a, it's a great one. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're almost spot on. We said 810 and I th we're at 804. We're making great time. That's amazing. I know. Can I, can I leave uh, listeners with uh, a, a golden nugget? A gold, Absolutely. Gold green, gold nugget. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. I don't know. This is a this is a message out to every single early learning professional. If you are inspired by really celebrating pride in your childcare or increasing visibility, then or just even changing your wording to be more inclusive to have children, families, and communities see a reflection of their own lives, their own families in your centers or in your program, in your curriculum, you can do that with or without the support of your directors. I've often heard people say, but my director doesn't support this, but in all forms of um, diversity that we are trying to get into our childcare centers, we have a responsibility as an individual. And just imagine that you are the one to make a difference in a child's life. So, oh, here we go. So yeah, I'm starting. <laughs> no, you want them to grow up knowing that there were positive um, allies in their lives in their early childhood and that they have these deep-seated, basically seeds of knowing that it's okay to be who they are and to love who they want to love, okay? So you are the one. So make it happen, okay? And keep advocating for positive change and celebrate. <laughs> well, another podcast uh, where I have managed to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shell, so much for sharing that because I just I think of my own experiences and how much of a difference it would make it would have made in my own life to have that one person that really was always on my team and always supporting me, sure. you know, and we have the power and the immense privilege to be that for the children that we care for. Yes, we do. We really uh, do. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your golden rainbow nuggets of wisdom with us. <laughs> I think I, this, um, that's the first time I've ever said a golden rainbow nugget. So that, that might have to be its own thing in my workshops yeah, now. <laughs> it's a new catchphrase. And you can make cute little stickers that go with it. <laughs> oh, dear. My, my, my wheels are going to be turning all day. <laughs> in the heat, outdoors with the kids. Yeah. yeah. It's the best time, really. Those thoughts will cook out there. That's right. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so Shell. much, Andre, for having me. We're um, so appreciative. This was an absolute pleasure, as it always is. But really nice to do this in a more informal, fun context, too. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, I am going to let you go so that you can get off to work on time. Um, and thank you to everyone that tuned in today to listen. We have a lot of really exciting events coming up that I will make sure is linked for this episode so that you and your families can come and celebrate Pride with us in an early years context. Thank you again, Shell, so much. I appreciate you immensely. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Take care and happy Pride in July. Happy July Pride. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at strivewo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.